It's time. You're listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air. Sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, this ongoing series brings to your ears the best-known works from America's revered grandfather of horror and suspense. From room to room in the asylum of the mysterious Dr. Mallard, Poe's wretched souls describe their awful tales while they await the doctor's revolutionary system to treat and cure the mentally crippled. In today's episode, the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air takes on Poe's tale of tragedy at sea and its physical toll on those who survive. A descent into the maelstrom. In our last episode, The Oval Portrait, we found ourselves observing the horrifying results when obsession meets the creative impulse. And your expression now, the very expression which permitted me the final touch, it captures everything. The vivacity of human nature, the profundity of love, eternal passion, eternal beauty, eternal life. I behold it all. I see the truth. Come, my dear, behold the portrait. Come and see yourself. A triumph. Come and behold the, the truth. Now, Professor Mallard leads us down the hall for a conversation with another of his children. From those dusky catacombs to the roaring ocean we go. Our next patient was brought to us clearly and completely delusional. He was found by a fishing vessel in the harsh waters of Norway, claiming another man's identity. As you'll see, there's no possible way that this man is who he claimed to be. He trembles at the least exertion and is frightened by a mouse's shadow, yet he claims to be a formidable fisherman and sailor. He can barely lift a spoon. This skittish, frail old man was seen by a myriad of doctors in Europe. None could get through to him, so we sent word that I would like to uh, try my hand at him. Hello? I've brought you a new friend. Why? The surprises in this place are never good. Oh, please, enough of that. It's true, they want to hear your story. The story I've told countless times that no one believes? I'm too tired to tell it again. You're being rude to our guest, and I don't appreciate it. <sighs> Share your story with this delightful soul, and I will get you some of that wretched-sounding fermented fish you're always going on about. Wonderful. <laughs> Three years ago... There happened to me an event that has never happened to mortal man, or at least such no man has ever survived to tell the tale. Those six hours of deadly terror which I endured broke me up, body and soul. On the Norwegian coast lies a panorama more deplorably desolate than any human imagination could conceive. The winds there can be so furious, you would surely believe the very foundations of the mountains were in danger from them. The monstrous mountains that meet the sea and their razor-sharp, tooth-like crags at their base, and the scattered islands make these some of the most treacherous waters on the globe, including the most malicious maelstroms, huge ocean whirlpools, they also create some of the best fishing, which is what my brothers and I did to make our living. Now, the waters aren't always so terrifying. During the shifting of tides, they can get as smooth as glass. But when flooded and rushing, the waters surround this cluster of islands 
turns tumultuously into a portal to the depths of hell. My brothers and I owned a schooner rig smack, and we were the only men who made it a business of fishing in these waters between the islands of Moscow and Verg. But in all this violent eddies of the sea, there is good fishing, if one can only have the courage to attempt it. And I was a younger man than I am now, with perhaps more bluster than courage. It is decided, then. My brothers, I don't think this is advisable. Nonsense. It's worth the risk for the reward. We are the strongest fishermen in these parts. But we'll only have about 15 minutes at most, and perfectly timed to push across the calm waters in the main channel before it rages again and we're stranded on one of those desolate islands, or worse. (laughs) And we could do it in 10 minutes on our worst day. Think about it. The abundance and quality of the fish we will get in one day is more than any of our peers will gather in a week's work. Uh, It sounds like suicide, but I trust you men with my life. We are your older brothers, and we are right here with you. Well, we'll not only have to navigate all those emerging maelstroms, but on that route, we'll have to edge along the most frightening of all, the Moscowstrom. Tell us, my good man, why is this Moscowstrom so frightening? It is said that the center of the Moscowstrom is an abyss that penetrates the globe. I don't believe that, but no one has ever gotten close to it and lived to tell. We would have to pass it on every one of our journeys of this type, and did so for six years until... Excuse me? Continue? Yes, yes, of course. We were always very careful. We made certain that all of our equipment was in working order, and timed our passages with precision though I must admit to having my heart in my mouth during a few times our calculations were off even by a minute or two. You see, that is how little room for error we had. Two or three minutes off and disaster. And yet you risked it when no one else would. My older brother had a son, 18, and I had two stout boys of my own. They would have been of great assistance at such times, but... Although we ran the risks ourselves, we had not the heart to let the young ones get into danger. For, after all is said and done, it was a horrible danger. And that is the truth. Enough of the preamble. Tell us your tale. (sighs) Glorious day for fishing, brothers. Nary a cloud in the sky. And yet... I have a feeling, something foreboding, but I must be going mad. The sky and the water are the picture of perfection. And we haven't had a hull like this in ages. It's like the gods have gifted us with their own feast. To think (laughs) you would have never had us do this. There is great reward in great risk, young brother. What time is it? Just about seven by my watch. We should get going. The worst doesn't hit until eight. We'll be fine. He's right. We're loaded up full, and if I'm going to relax today, I would prefer to be at home by my fireplace. We've got a nice strong wind. We'll be home in no time. Do you feel that? What? We're getting a breeze from Helsingin. You're right. 
That's never happened before. Nothing to worry about, brothers. I'm not so sure. What's happening? We're not making any headway at all. This cannot be. While we have the time, we should turn around and go back to the anchorage. We can wait it out, whatever this is, until morning on Verg. There's nothing to eat there and no shelter. We have a boat full of fish. I agree, we must head back. Oh no! Look behind us! The whole sky is covered in a singular copper-colored cloud. Where did that come from? It just appeared out of nowhere. I've never seen a cloud that size rise with such velocity. Breeze is gone. We're dead in the water. This doesn't make sense. There is a storm descending upon us. It took less than a minute to hit us. And it should blow over quickly. Brothers, where are you? It's so overcast, I can barely see my hand in front of my face. We are here. Let the sail go. Lash yourself to anything secure. The wind is too strong. The sail. I've got the mainmast. I'll use my belt to secure myself to it. How are you two? Don't worry about me. I've got a hold of a ring bolt. We should be okay if we all hold fast. see nothing. They're both gone. And he was lashed to it. He still is. We're going under. Joyed to see you. I thought I'd lost you too. What, what, what is that look on your face? As if you've seen a ghost. Lost ghost. But we should still have time to make it to the slack. You fool. We'll never escape it. The wind is driving us right into the world. We could be ten times the size of a gunship and have no prayer of escape. You see? I see nothing. The first fury of the tempest has spent itself. So what? Look! Look up at that! A circular rift of clear sky through the darkness. It's never looked so beautiful before. Why does this please you so? We weather the storm. We're in the eye. Sure, it will return, but we know we can survive it now. We've lost our brother. Perhaps he is already in the heavens, watching over us. Crazy talk. Look at the moon. I've never known her to wear such luster. But you, you look as pale as death. Listen. To what? I don't hear it. Do you? Hear what? Check your watch. It's... it's not... the watch isn't going. It's not ticking. Yes. No! No! 
It ran down at seven o'clock. So when we left... We were behind the slack. And now the whirl of the Moscow Strom will be in full effect any second. The waters... Are you injured? No, but I am not okay. We must use this moment of calm to plan for what is to come. There is no planning left to be done. We are at the mercy of the storm and the Moscow strum. What's happening? We're moving fast. It's calling us in now. It's ready for us. I'm sorry, brother. We're being pulled so fast the boat is skimming across the water. And here it is. The Moscow Strope Starboard! Well, we all have to die. This is the most magnificent manner in which to do so. You've lost your mind. In this moment, my fear has given way to the keenest curiosity about the world itself. I'm accepting of death if I get to explore it. My only regret is that we'll never be able to explain what we have seen to the people back on shore. about that, I see, for you are here explaining it all to us. True. If you have never been at sea in a heavy gale, you can form no idea of the confusion of mind formed by the wind and spray together. They blind, deafen, and strangle you. But we were now rid of these annoyances, you see. The belt of the whirl is considerably lower than that of the sea level, so all that wind and violence blew right over us. I couldn't tell you how many times we made the circuit. We careened round and round at such speeds we were skimming the surface for about an hour. All the while I hung onto that ring bolt. My brother was at the stern holding a small cask of water. Then he let go and came toward me. What are you doing? You'll be swept away. I can't hold on to that cask. Give me the ring. What will I do? Give it to me. Oh. Oh. I'll be thrown overboard. You're mad. Take it. It will make no difference. Our fates are sealed. I'll take the cask. You'll have to live with this for the rest of our short lives. Stop. Look there. Every time we go around, there are objects going past us, and some that we pass. Not everything descends at once. Look! Think of the aftermath of a storm on the shore. Some objects from these waters are utterly obliterated, and some wash up in perfect condition. Some must escape the abyss. Now you're the one who is mad. Nothing escapes a Moscow Strom, including us. I expected instant destruction ever since we swirled down into the depths of this funnel. But moment after moment have elapsed, and yet we live. You're a fool if you still have hope. Look! Look at that barrel in the world. We've passed it, and we've passed several other things of the sort. They aren't getting sucked down. If I can make it back to the water gas... You'll die before you get there. The look in my brother's face told me he had already given up, frozen in place by terror of his fate... 
I resolved to do what I had to do. I made my way to the stern and secured the water cast he had held, and I lashed myself to it. If I died, it would be with this cask. I waved to my brother, tried desperately to get him to understand what I was doing. Here! You have to join me! It's your only hope! Take my hand! But he shook his head despairingly and refused to move. You'll never make it. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't do it. No one escapes this storm. And I resigned myself to his fate, just as he had done. And with that, I cut the water cask loose and threw myself with it into the sea. Pinned to the wall of the funnel by the sheer force and held afloat by the empty water cask, I watched as our ship made three or four wild gyrations in rapid succession and then, bearing my beloved brother with it, plunging headlong at once and forever into the chaos of the foam below. The slopes of this vast funnel became less and less steep by the moment. The waters and the wind grew less and less violent. The bottom of the gulf seemed to slowly rise, and me with it. The skies were clear, and the full mood was setting radiantly in the west when I found myself on the surface of the ocean in full view of the shore. I was born into the channel, and within a few minutes, in the grounds of the fishermen, very shortly, a boat picked me up. It was the fishermen I had known my whole life, but they knew me no more than they would have known a traveler from the spirit land. I told them who I was and my story, but they did not believe me, not yeah. a word. Yeah, my on. friends, my old shipmates, know they no longer recognized me. No way, no you way. see, you suppose me a very old man, but I'm not. I'm not. I, I tell you, it's me. It's me. You must believe me. You must believe me. My hair, which had been raven black the day before, was as white as you see it is now. My limbs have been forever weakened, my nerves unstrung. I tremble now at the least exertion. It seems a lifetime away, but you will not believe me. The events of my story happened only three years ago. For you see, I am only 32 years old. you are. This unfortunate old man still believes himself to be in his thirties. I'm thirty-two. He's clearly lost his mind. Perhaps in a whirlpool, but more likely in a hospital bed somewhere. But if he won't tell us who he really I've is... I've told you countless times. Then we just can't help you. I am thirty-two years old. Disingenuous! <clears throat> well... Our visitors have had their share of your tall tales. We'll be on our way. My fish! Don't forget my fish!
They say a life on the sea can change a man, but this is taking that idea a bit too literally, wouldn't you say? And yet he clings to his delusion just as surely as he did the water cask in his story. There was probably more than water in those casks to concoct a story like that. But we'll get him sorted out. My system will have him happily accepting his pension checks before long. In the meantime, please follow me. Our next fascinating case is just down this hall. You've been listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air and our production of A Descent into the Maelstrom, adapted for radio by Ryan Thomas. A Descent into the Maelstrom was directed by Alex Avistovich and produced by Ty Ford with the voices of Jimmy Kinsel, B. Thomas Rinaldi, and Alex Zavistovich. Poe Theatre on the Air theme by Greg Martin. The National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air is sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, purveyors of Poe-inspired craft beer. More information can be found on the web at ravenbeer.com. More information on the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air can be found at poetheater.org. Until next time, this is Alex Avistovich reminding you that all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. <laughs>